Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 9 of Judo Talk. Judo Talk, Talk, 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 Judo Talk, Talk. Hey guys, and welcome. Hopefully, many of you are returning to Judo now. Um, I've been open. Well, this is my second week now of running classes and it's been really, really good. So hoping other coaches and judoka are back on the mats uh, doing judo. Um, what's it like it, where you are? You guys, I know there's lots of listeners around the world. You know, are you practicing judo now? Um, are you back on the mats? Or, you know, are you still waiting? What's going on? Um, so this week, different sort of podcast again uh thanks for all the messages uh, regarding the marketing one last week i really do hope it helps um to get people on on your mats this week we're we're looking at judo almost like um the history of judo really british judo um and my guest this week actually started judo in 1948 which for me i can't even compute what when that was like it just seems crazy okay um so yeah so my guest is um husband and wife dennis and tina penfold now dennis is an eighth dan ijf cater examiner uh he was actually well he'll explain a lot about himself um and same with tina tina right sorry tina if i got this wrong i, th- I believe you're a sick dan um and also ijf uh IGF Cater uh, Examiner um, and we talked about you know the beginning of judo now Dennis and Tina both have some great stories um, you know they they were both really kind I'm sure they won't mind me saying it took us about 15 minutes to for them guys to get logged on to Zoom for this chat uh, so I appreciate your patience with that getting on uh, guys um, but we got on we got talking um, Tina had done a good job of keeping Dennis on track um, there, there's literally one phone call that happened during that but apart from that it was a, a really good um, chat with them so uh, I guess st- stick with it there's some really good conversations in there and uh, yeah I found I found it really interesting and we addressed uh, last week obviously I said I don't particularly like kata and I don't find it that interesting we did look at that a little bit towards the end as well um but yeah I'll, t- I'll talk to you guys on the other side hope you enjoy it hey guys welcome to judo talk and today i'm talking to dennis and tina penfold say hello guys hiya hello hello <laughs> right now dennis you're actually uh dennis and tina you're very special guests on this and we're going to talk uh, a little bit about how you started judo and a little bit of history of judo in this country if that's okay okay yeah uh, right. Well, um, I started judo in 1948. No. And uh, at the time, I was looking for a sport to do because it was not long after the war. And I think it was going to be a toss up between fencing and judo. Anyway, someone told me about an advert in the newspaper in Portsmouth about this judo. Anyway, I went there and inquired, and uh, the man taking it was. Captain uh, Mike Harvey, and um, he started the uh, club in uh, uh, in a small um, private school uh, you might know about, just over the hill at Whitley. 
Okay, yeah. Remember? Anyway, uh, there was about half a dozen of us that started, and I was a founder member. Um, it wasn't the Portsmouth Judo Club at the time. It changed to that later on. But uh, anyway, we went from that place to various other schools to, to uh, increase the membership, which we did. And then around about 1950, 51, I think, Mike, who was the, the, um, the teacher, the, uh, he, was, um, he went back into the army because the Korean War was on. And um, he actually won the military cross there in a battle uh, with the Gloucesters. He's quite famous. Uh, anyway, while he was there in, uh, over in that part of the world, he went to the Kodokan and uh, got his uh, first dan. Wow. And uh, after that, the club went from strength to strength, really. And... Um, at the time, there was no grading. There wasn't any uh, uh, national association as such. All the gradings were Budokai. Mm. And um, there used to be courses with Mr. Koizumi and uh, Percy Zucchini at uh, Bisham Abbey. And then eventually, um, after, it was 1952, I think, I, um, I went to the Budokai and... Um, did, did the necessary and got my first down then. Wow. Can you can you remember your first class? Can you remember it? How old were you? Do you remember your you, first class? Yeah, how old were you? Well, when I was I was 16. When you started judo, 16? Yes. And can you remember what it was like, like what a session was like? Well, <laughs> Well, it was in this this old uh, uh, private school, and we went into the uh, into the, uh, the gym, and of course there was nothing. Uh, there was no equipment there except these rotten old uh, core hair mats. You know, those prickly ones. <laughs> we had them, and of course we were learning ukemi and slapping away at the mats, and there was dust flying up all <laughs> over the place. And it was, and then after a while, um, we would, you know, after we learned did some throws, sometimes we threw off the mat and our, our, our feet used to smash the floorboards. Oh, no. So we, of course they were so old and rotten, then we'd have to go and repair them. And uh, our judo kit was, uh, we didn't have judo kits as then. But um, we, uh, Mick had a, a, an outline of a judo jacket, sort of a pattern, and we used to go down to uh, an army surplus store and buy up um, palliasses, canvas ones. So we'd make the, cut the, the um, pattern out and then sew it together with string. Really? <laughs> uh, but that was... That was our judo jackets for the time. But there you go, um, from Little Acorns, of course. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And when you said, did you do, like, when you started judo, like, so now, obviously, there's quite a lot of stru structure to the classes. Was it like, this is judo, throw each other about? What was it like when you first turned up? Like, how did you feel, like, when you walked in? Well, I mean, I was, as I feel, I thought it was wonderful. But the, the, um, 
the, the actual class. It was just uh, Mick. I don't know where he actually learned his judo from, but um, thinking back about what the way he was teaching, he was quite knowledgeable. And uh, we had a syllabus we had to learn to get graded, which he graded, as you see, which at that time didn't count for anything really, till eventually we swapped over to Budokai grades. But his, um, uh, his tuition was, was pretty good by modern standards. It's a bit old fashioned, of course, then, but um, by, by, you know, when I think back, it was, it was pretty, pretty uh, basic, but good. Mm. He was, I think uh, he's my first teacher, so of course I, I think a great deal of him. Yeah, of course, of course. And so he prepared you to go up to the Budokai. What was it like back then when you first went to the Budokai? Well, he, he, he didn't prepare me because by that time he had gone in, gone back into the army, mm. and um, I, I held a grade that was awarded by him. I think it was about green belt or blue belt or something. And um, a, a Budokai second queue came down to the club and visited, and I practiced with him. And I thought, um, mm, he's, he's pretty good, this guy. So I think I'll, I so I went up there and I just put on a, a white belt and entered um, uh, a grading. And that was at um, Reading University with uh, Mr. Koizumi. And uh, I'm trying to think who the other, I can't think who his assistant was there. But anyway, I entered the grading, I, got, I went straight to Greenbelt then. So that was uh, the first year. Then after that, I went to, um, went to the Budokai for grading. And um, uh, nah, ah, no, I forget. Prior to that, I went back to that. There was another course held at Bisham Abbey with uh, Percy Sakini. Hmm. And um, I got a blue belt there. Uh, and then uh, after that, I uh, went to the Budokai to for, 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 try for my first queue, which I did. And um, anyway, mind you, I was working, I was training very hard with what limited knowledge I had then, but... Um, and then after, in 1952, as I said before, um, I got there enough. I actually fought Alfie Graber, uh, who, was, who was quite famous at the time, to get my first down. And to get your black belt, is it, is it any, is it close to what it's like now? Did you, did you have to fight for it? What was it, what was the process like back then to get? To oh, get I had belt? a few, I had a few fights. I had a few fights. Um, there was a few, uh, um, first cues I had to um, fight and then after a while uh, so the, the old Budokai I think 15 Lower Grosvenor Place the original place I think hmm. and um, uh, Mr Kazumi and Mr uh, Sakini were there uh, doing the, the gradings and um, they said right uh, go down to the Lower Dojo and bring up a black belt see, and, and then up came um, Alfie Graber and I was told that the, uh, the day before or a couple of days before at a, another grading that he had um, uh, disposed of a line of eight first cues so 
Are you looking forward to this one? <laughs> so there was me and, and uh, Alfie Graber. And um, anyway, I was, I was uh, we were going around together. And I remember he was, um, he was holding my right arm quite firmly. And, uh, and for some reason, he moved it. And my, my pet technique that time was uh, seoenage, morate seoenage. And when he moved it, um, I managed to pop underneath him and, and, and throw him. And um, so along with that and the other Q grades, Mr. Koi to him, he said, invited me over to the corner and said, I'm very pleased to promote you to Furtan. Um, and then uh, and then when I was getting ready to go home, uh, one of the Dan grades came over and said, hey, you're a black belt now. You come over to the black belt dressing room, which they had. <laughs> oh, really? So they had separate <laughs> dressing rooms for black belts and lower grades? Sorry? They had diff they separate rooms. Yeah, they did then, yeah. But not now, of course. Yeah. They did. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And do you remember where, when you were doing judo back then, what was their, do you know what their main message was like for teaching judo? Um, so did they have, um, were they really strict on grips? Were they really strict on techniques you should practice? Was there a real big focus on round three? What was the real like things that you remember being taught? Well, it, um, uh, in our, my own club, I just uh, we I was teaching in the Portsmouth Judo, then became Portsmouth Judo Club. Then I was teaching then, but then after a while, um, I was in the army for a couple of years, national service, and uh, anyway, when that was over, I I moved to London no. to train at the Burukai. Uh, hang on, Tina's... You, no, he asked about, was there emphasis on grips or... I'm just going to Oh, that. sorry, I yeah. apologise. <laughs> <laughs> There's a typical wife jumping in. <laughs> Don't worry, you're fine, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> you wait till Dennis gets hold of me after this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, well, okay. But anyway, um, because if you think at that time, uh, Vince... Um, the emphasis was just teaching judo, and I was an instructor at the Portsmouth Judo Club, so I wasn't getting a lot of instruction except on these courses that I went to. Mm. And then it was, it was just various techniques you got taught. And anyway, I went to um, I joined the army, and then um, oh, while I was in the army, I found out that there was a course being held at Bisham Abbey with. Um, uh, Kawamura, a famous teacher, a Japanese teacher who came over to the Budokai. Anyway, he did a course there for a week and I went there and um, learned a bit more. Then, as I said, I, I came out of the army and went to London to train at the Budokai. And uh, anyway, it was... <laughs> um, there was one guy up there, I'm not going to mention any names, but um, prior to going to the Budokai, I turned up on a Sunday to the Sunday class up there. And um, there was this really hard case Scotsman up there. And um, 
anyway, he grabbed all the means of pragmatism, you know. Anyway, I, I managed to pop him over a few times, you <laughs> see. Uh, anyway, um, when I moved to the Budokai, I went to London. I went to London. I managed to get myself a job there. And I started on the Monday. And then the Monday night, I went to the Budokai. And this Scotsman saw me again. And um, he deliberately threw me onto some chairs that were stool at the end. And um, I think he'd get his own back. I think people who hear this might recognize who I'm talking about. You might as well know. just say, you might as well just say, go on. <laughs> who, was, yeah, who, who was it then? Oh, come on, I can't say. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, the guys of my era, they might recognize is, who it was. Is he anyway, a higher grade than you, Dennis? It was a higher grade than me, yes. Yeah, are they so. still around and a higher grade than you? He's not around anymore. All right, okay. So anyway, but this guy there, what happened was that, that um, he threw me onto these chairs on my head and, and, and I, I got concussion. So there I was, I started a job on a Monday and the next day I had concussion and I had to go to work. I couldn't say, look, I'm sorry, I'm sick. It's <laughs> <laughs> the next day. So I went to work feeling like death warmed up. Anyway, that wore off and it was thing. Anyway, I continued training at Budokai and um, the teachers there then became Matt Schuster Sensei, who um, he, he, he turned up and he was a 23-year-old uh, fifth dan at the time. And um, he recently died this well, last year of, uh, of a virus in Japan. Oh, really? Uh, yes, Matt Schuster. He, he's very, very, very famous in Japan. He was, you know. Anyway, at the time, he was this young, tough fifth dan. And practicing with him was, was absolutely wonderful. He, he was famous for his uh, harai goshi. He could, uh, he could throw anybody with this thing. But uh, when you went on with him, he, was, um, he would throw you and it was lovely you just landed it was there was there was no nothing awful with that and um anyway he was there he was teaching and again it wasn't as your as you asked was it structures and grips and all this lot no it was it was um just pure technique that they were taught and and of course we each, um, we were all trying to get a throw, if you know what I mean. It was uh, all the all the guys up there. So would and, you, uh, sorry, Dennis. So would you, would they demonstrate a technique, you'd do a bit of Uchikomi, then a bit of Nagakomi, then a bit of Randori, or they would say, this is a judo technique, have a go in Randori. What was it like? No, no, um, we'd, be, uh, we'd be up there and uh, all be doing Randori. And then suddenly they said, right, here's some... We're going to do a technique now and um, and demonstrate. And uh, one of the things was that uh, it happened to me a couple of times that because Matt Schuster couldn't speak English, he couldn't say do this or whatever. He'd demonstrate it. So if you were his okay, he'd just keep throwing you. Oh, you do this, bang. Uh, you do this, bang. Well, I was going to ask you. <laughs> I was, it was okay. And, and of course, then they didn't have a sprung floor like they have now. 
Yeah. It was just it was just on the mats on this um, hard wooden floor. Because I was going to ask you, were, did they all speak Japanese? Did it like some of them speak English, some speak Japanese? What what was it like? How did you guys? Well, it was. Um, I mean, there were some the Japanese trained guys there, like Jeff Gleason. He had been he was um, he had been in Japan for about four years, and he got a fourth down out there, uh, and uh, he became national coach. Of course, I don't know if you remember him. Do you know? Him? I've heard. I've heard name? the name, but um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he would translate for you. You know, for us. You know, when when Matt Schuster demonstrated, and then. Um, he uh, he was there, and then after um, after he left, um, the next teacher up there. I wasn't there. I'd moved back to Portsmouth by then. Mm. I'd been there for a few years, and then I moved back to Portsmouth. And and then, but the next teacher at the Budokai was uh, uh, Watanabe, and he was the um, considered the best stylist in Japan mm. and his judo was absolutely whatever he whatever he did was uh, he could do left and right no problem it was it was absolutely flowing wonderful judo and uh, unfortunately he, he died fairly recently last year I believe and um, but he was he was very very famous in Japan well recently. But uh, at the time, he was a young man. He was 26, I think, an Asian Games champion and Tokyo champion, probably some other champion, other things. But uh, forgetting all that lot, his judo was um, was absolutely unbelievable. Mm. And how long, when you were training at the Budokai, how long were the sessions? Were they every night? Were they, you know, what was the frequency? Uh, they were, they were um, I'm trying to think. <clears throat> um Monday, I think yeah, virtually every night in the Budokai, maybe one night off, or maybe it was a ladies' night. They used to have the lower dojo or something. Um, but then there would be Saturday afternoon, and of course, uh, the one that we all wanted, or everyone wanted to get, was the Sunday class at the Budokai. And um, initially, that was by invitation only. Really? And uh, you could... Uh, go there and if Mr. Leggett used to run it then uh, Trevor Leggett he actually was a Kodokan 6th or 7th down I think and uh, he'd run the Sunday class and uh, and so as I said before it was by invitation and um, that was after it was formed because if you just couldn't cut the mustard there during the session because it was extremely hard, um, they said it was, it, they made it hard because quite a lot of the guys uh, went there, wanted to go to Japan. So when they uh, when they got out there, it wasn't too much of a culture shock, the, the hard training, but it was very, very hard, that Sunday class. And um, you probably have 50, 60 downgrades there. Wow. And uh, if you couldn't, I mean, if you couldn't cut the mustard, then uh, Mr. Leggett would say, well, I think you need a little bit more training. And that was it. You were out. Really? And, uh, yeah, oh, you know, you couldn't go again. And, and you know, he'd, that's, he'd let you know that you 
before you come to this one. And um, it was a, it was extremely hard. And uh, I remember once I mean I might have might have been more one time, but one time one time I was I was training, and uh, I thought I'd, I'd count how many randoris I'd have because they're all every one of them downgrades. But occasionally a first kill come could come in from the provinces, and uh, he wasn't turned away. They say, well, come on, have a go then, you know, mm. <laughs> that was that. Um, but um, I remember I was trying to, I, I think I had 28 randoris one, 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 one afternoon. Mm. So other times I might have had more, but on that particular time it was. And um, there was uh, a time we, you would, um, Mr. Leggett would say, right, gentlemen, once more round on the face. Now, you've been to the Buddha kind, you yeah. know, because... And, and you know, have you pull yourself around the on the outside of the mat with uh, on your elbows only? You know that one, that, that yeah. exercise. Just lie down and drag yourself along. Yeah, yeah. He said, "Well, once more round." I'm so we're all completely knackered from Andorra as it was anyway. We're only halfway through, and um, we'd go around, and he'd um, uh, walk out the room, but nobody cheated. Because you didn't want to be caught cheating, otherwise you might not be allowed in the class again. It was uh, funny that way, really? but it was uh, it was it was a really really good session to have. And do you think? I remember, I was, sorry. Do you think um, because it was so hard? Like actually, everybody was actually quite close. To like, because one of the things I like about judo is you can have a really tough practice, a really good scrap, but we still shake hands. We still have a nice chat at the end. Was it oh, like sure, that? Yeah. You know, were, did you still have that camaraderie then? Oh, of course. Yeah, there was no, there was no antagonism at all. You know, you have a good, a good uh, workout with somebody, but it was certainly there was. I've never even concerned, you know, considered that to be. But except this one, this one guy that that, that remembered me throwing him <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> Give me a concussion, but anyway, I'm I'm pretty sure somebody will figure out who he was. <laughs> but now, anyway, that's all. The, that's all about. And, uh, but anyway, I can't. What what else would go to now? Um, so when you were when you were training back then, was it? Did you literally your choices were train at the Buddha Kwai or sort of at your local clubs or go to Japan? Did you ever go into onto the continent at that point or? Go to the continent? Yeah, so where, did you ever go into Europe or was it pretty much everybody just travelled to Japan for judo? No, we never no, never went to the continent. The only times we went to the continent was when I was in the British team. But that, uh, that was the only times when... And is that just there. because um, British judo, uh, judo in Britain was set up a lot earlier, so actually it was quite an established force then? Uh, yeah, it was... It was uh, I don't know. I think the I think the BJA started about 1952, um, and, and it was only then that it's I think when it started spreading out to um, and clubs joining the association in 52 something like that. I've been a member since then. I was a member since then, and then recently I've got to tell you this. I've been a member since 1952, and this year. Uh, <laughs> You made me a life member. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And, and, and here I am. I'm 89 years old. I'm wondering what they're saying. <laughs> I think they've uh, played. They've got a safe yeah, well, bet. There, <laughs> Don't worry, you can have it. Did you ask him for a rebate? Ask him for. The... <laughs> well, it, it crossed my mind actually. <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, uh, what else? I can go on to yeah. But when was the men? Uh, I don't know. Well, I'll follow you. I'll follow your questions. Yeah, sure. So, did you once you've um, you've got your black belt? You've been training at Budokai for a while. What was competitions like then? Were there many competitions? How did you not, get into it? Not really. Quite not merely many competitions. They'd have the uh, I think the national team uh competitions because there are then there would be 12 air, areas i think uh, set up you know southern western or the lot and they'd have a team uh contest somewhere in in britain or in once in glasgow we were at, and uh, darlington was another one then in wales and uh so uh, each area would select a team i would have you know it's a team selection and um and then we go off to the, the championship and, and uh, see how we got on then. So um, that, that, there weren't there weren't as many contests as there um, as there are now mm. or recently prior to the COVID thing. And when did competitions really start coming in? Then do you remember? Um, Let's see when do they when what what many contests. Well, like, like say you you done uh, the national teams. Did you ever get to a point where you done some more competitions, like where actually you saw a few more competitions entering in, or? No, uh, I, I can't really uh, give you a, a date on that events uh, at all. Um, all I know is that the national teams. Um, I think you'd have, oh you'd have the British team selections of course. Mm. Um, they were uh, uh, they were held possibly in the Budokai, the British team selections, and um, there was open weight then. So there was no weight categories and, at that uh, point. No, no, no. I used to enter the uh, open weight. I was about you know, ten stone ten then. I don't know what that is in all in new money. Oh, it's about seventy. Those, I think. Well, yeah, it might be, yeah, about six, maybe 60, 68 kilos, something like that. It'll be. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And so I used to have a go at uh, at the at those events whenever I could. So was, and there was, there was, a, there was um, quite some uh, tonnage used to enter. <laughs> so it was, you got, you had a rough afternoon there. So. But um, that was all. But yeah, that was the way I felt about judo, to be honest. Um, uh, I thought, well, judo, judo, and all sorts do it, practice it. And um, and my my uh, feeling was, um, I, I didn't really when I did get into internationals, and that was weight category. Um, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, because I felt, uh, I felt that it's from my early days when you saw a tall guy, you knew he was going to have a go at you with something like Harai or Jumata, mm. 
those sort of, go, those sort of things. And if you were on a, a small guy, you know, you'd be in the Surikomigoshi uh, Soenagi thing. And I find it very strange to see small people, small judo players doing Uchimata and tall people doing Soenagi. Oh, really? <laughs> I find it, yeah, I, I find that really unusual, really, for the in the way of the sport. So you're uh, saying because it was open weight categories, it's sort of the techniques, you're almost like the techniques were designed for your size, so the smaller people had to do CNAGs. More or less, you'd, you'd select it, yes. You'd, you'd select one. Because I, I had a feeling, I mean, if, if it didn't work on somebody too, too stone heavier, then, you know, it had to work on them. <laughs> Oh, I don't know, that, that could be our daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's um, that's how I feel about. It. I might whether I'm right or wrong. I don't know, but it, it's just the way I, was, I, I see it. And um, uh, the, the thing is that when um, when I uh, started doing international, it was against France. That was open weight, and I fought a guy called, oh, forget it, but anyway, he was champion of Europe, but I didn't last very long with him. He was a, he was a quite a hefty guy, that was him. But then that was that was the first one. And then we went, um, I was selected, we did the uh, team selections, and I got selected to go to Caen with the British team, and that was our, it was an eye opener, really, because um, it was when this obligatory decision came in, you know. Uh, so do you mean like hand tied? Is that what you mean? Yes, it was, um, that came in. There, there had to be a winner, not that he couldn't have a, you know, not that. And uh, of course, the French were really uh really into this they've been they've been at it for some a number of years but it was about very almost very near the first time we put in uh, a weight category team maybe the second time that i was and anyway say, we went in sorry, sorry when you say weight category do you mean like because now it's 60 66 like there there's quite a small brackets what do you mean by weight categories well there was only three weights at that time <laughs> There was uh, light, middle, and heavy. Uh, right. so, so even though you're saying you're saying lightweight, actually, uh, sorry, although you're saying weight categories, it was still pretty broad. It was. Yeah, I mean, you could um, somebody somebody who would say, "I would, I'd just give some weight." So, uh, um, so middleweight was up to say twelve and a half. I'm talking in old money now. Twelve and a half stone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But if he was a few pounds, a pound or so over, he'd be in the heavyweights. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, there wasn't that 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 spread, if you know what I mean. But the um, uh, yeah, we were into with uh, went to Caen and had a um, a match with the French French team, and that was a, an eye opener for me because the of the the tactics they used. And uh, I didn't, I found it rather difficult. So what do you mean the um, tactics they used? Well, I mean, uh, the crouchy tactics. I mean, there was one, um, I was on fighting one guy. We had three fights, three contests between us all swap round. 
and um, I had a win and I had two loses, but both on decisions. And uh, the crouchy French thing, uh, run around the edge of the mat, that sort of thing. Yeah, they were doing that. And um, I mean, there was one we 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 came up, we separated, and then started, do you want to start again? And I reached out to to grab his tunic, his lapel, and I poked him in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, he staggered back. And, and you've uh, done it again. And I thought, oh, good, I'll run out. And I was good. And then the referee stopped me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was that, that sort of. Um, and then when I got back uh, after that to, uh, to Britain, you know, and to my own club, I started training then with um, a very short tubby guy and practicing and training and doing lots of Ujikami because I had to virtually, from being used to fighting bigger men, uh, I had to virtually change the style of judo. Uh, my my Tokui was at the time, was uh, Taitoshi and, uh, and Ujigari. So uh, I, had to, I had to change I had to ch change the, the way of doing it. So actually bringing in weight categories actually forced you to change the way you've done judo yeah. just because of the size of the person yeah. that you would now fight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And going back to, uh, I just want to go back to when you, you were fighting in France and stuff and you were saying about they were they would do different things. What was the rule set then? You know, because obviously the, judo can be quite complex now with the rules. Was it similar obviously you could do leg grabs and things oh no it's all it's all developed from this because um you could step off the mat in those days nothing no problem what and carry on fighting like up in the stands and then i just <laughs> and then put it back on again yeah, yeah that was it you could you can step off the mat and um, there's all sorts of uh, all sorts of things that uh, and um so give it and of course uh, it was it was very the, the judo, if you get, was um, very, if you can't know, defensive, because if you if you um, manage to get knocked down, just down to your knee, that's it. Uh, they would uh, uh, they could run around the edge, all around, and and not attack anymore. So and they would win on. Can I can I just go into that a little bit more? So is that effectively if they managed to knock you down, would they get like a kinza for that? And then that would be no. what what would no 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 that, that what that wasn't in then was it? A kinza that's that came on a slightly later, I think. So how did they? Was it just seen, deemed as they had done something and then they could run away from that? Like, would be a bit. That'd be Yusugatsu. It would be then. Um, so that would that would be. I'm, I remember I fought <clears throat> I fought a guy called um, Andre Barreau, a Frenchman, and uh, he was three times champion of Europe, and um, he was a paratroop in the Paris, French Paris, you know. Mm. And uh, we were we were in Luxembourg for a pre-Olympic match there, and we went to this um, spa type place you know maybe and uh, for the way in and things like that and and they what i watched him and and he was doing a handstand and press-ups at the same time <laughs> so he took it 
And the guy said, yeah, you're fighting him tonight. <laughs> Thanks very much. Anyway, um, Andre Barat, I fought him, and um, I think I fought on two occasions, and each time it was, uh, I lost on a Yusagach, not much. But can you explain uh, what a Yusagach is to me? Because I'm, I'm ignorant to that, I don't know. Just a, a minor, a minor knockdown, that is all night, hardly a score. Right. I mean, I remember one, I, I, and then I analysed my judo after, and because um, we didn't have a coach in those days as such to say, hey, look, you're doing this, you're doing that, you want to do this. And um, you're all virtually uh, on your own, to be honest. Mm. And uh, I remember I, I fought him and, uh, I mean, I think he was in the French army, but he, he wasn't in the French army, but I think that's all he ever did with judo, to be honest. Mm. And um, anyway, he, I, I attacked him and... and um, I tried Ojigari and he just knocked me down and I went down on my knee on one particular occasion. And then that was it. That was, that was, that was a lot. There was me, I was trying like mad and I think I threw him off the mat and it didn't count, you know, and he was going around the edge. But um, the thing is, when I, and then I realised that um, that, that was the first, my first attack was always Ojigari for some strange reason. Hmm. And whether it, they weighed that up or not, I don't know. And um, said, hey, look, he, he does this. Be careful to do this. And um, I felt that's what happened because I tried to run back over what, what I did. And, uh, and I think maybe that, 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 that's when they, you know, the, the French had, had uh, coaches. Hmm. So the Dutch, I think, they, uh, they were the same. And how long were the matches? Do you remember? Um, seen a long time at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, four or five minutes, I think. Four or five minutes. Like so yeah. essentially in competitions at that point, once hand tie was brought in, they could they could do an attack and literally just knock you to your knees or something. Is it? So it, it wouldn't yeah. be a coker. Yeah. It wouldn't be, no, it would literally be no, a knockdown. That. that came after, you know, for that reason, I think, because it's all, all these rules are built up from this, from, from the last time. And in fact, now the rules I've seen now, I think I like the rules now. I didn't like them a while back when they were all leg grabs and, mm. and fall to the ground and spend 90% of the time on the ground, on the, on the ground, you know, that I didn't like that judo at all. But um, at my time, I can only talk about my time. And uh, it was, um, uh, I'm trying to think what else went. Oh, European championships. So it was, I went, got there. I managed to get selected for that. So, what year was that? What year did you go to European Championships? That was that was sixty three. That was sixty three. Wow. Yeah. And where were those? In Switzerland. In Switzerland. So, had you been travelling much before judo? Oh, obviously, in the army, no. but no, no. I, that, the only the only one really to to um, really put us in the right frame of mind, if you like, and what we're going to meet was that one, that, that match in Caen. Mm. And um, we, the team, the, the team took a bit of a hammer and then they, you know, we got, they're all losing on New on New and, uh, well, yeah. you know, and that was it, sorry. He asked whether you'd done any traveling 
No, I'm, I'm oh, just saying about is that what you mean? It was regards, it was yeah, regards no, it, was um was judo did you do much traveling um before judo like was judo the main reason why you traveled in the end? So for me, like I know Oh no, well you, you should go on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> so you had done a bit of traveling before. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and when you went to um, the Europeans, how was it? Was uh, was there many countries there? Like, because now obviously it's massive. You know, was there? Oh, many... it, yeah. There was quite. A, there was a, there was a few. Quite a lot in there. Uh, quite a lot. And um, and so you would have thought it, lightweight, wouldn't you? Yes, I would be there. There was only the three weights mm. there then. But uh, I mean, Anton Gaysink was there. You know. Yeah. You remember. Remember him? Well, I don't obviously. Him? I don't remember him, but I have heard of him, and I. <laughs> ah, he was yeah, he was a good good guy. Well, he was. It was yeah, and um, uh, yeah, he was there, and uh, a lot of the the famous French were there. So, Dutch. So how did you get? John, John. How did you get on in the tournament? I don't get on. Um, I, I, I reached the final. Oh, uh, and how many oh, fights? So, would you have had to get to? I had, um, oh, I had a really easy run. I had a Russian, <laughs> a Frenchman, and a Belgian. <laughs> that was my, my three. Yeah, that was, that was a nice. <laughs> and then who, did, anyway. who did you face in the final? A, a Russian. A Russian. Yeah. And... Uh, he actually went to the Olympics next year and got a got a bronze. Wow! A guy called Bogolyubov. He was good, but he caught, he got me. He did some superb judo. He really did. It was, and he caught me with Tomoyanagi. And um, I don't know if you know, we're, we weren't very used to that technique in this country because of the small dojos, mm. you know, and. Um, you didn't uh, you didn't really see a lot of Sutemi stuff for that reason because you could be bowling over all your mates if you start. Yeah. So um, so I did I I wasn't really used to that technique, but what he actually did to me, which I'd never seen before, and about I think it's fairly common now. That whereas we used to do a Tomo and Aguirre with both hands on the, the power or whatever, he actually spread both my both my arms wide. Oh, okay. Oh, I couldn't spin off. Yeah. And um, I spread one, and he did this tomorrow, and he, and he just, just got me inside the area because I looked across at the line, or the referee, and he he had to make a sort of mental decision. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's in, you know. Mm. And um, and uh, he, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a, a beautiful judo, good judo, yeah. Yeah, and no complaints. Yeah. So you said, like looking at um, competitions now, you actually prefer the rules. Is there anything you look at in competitions and say, I, I don't particularly like this, or I prefer, you know, prefer it when I used to do judo? Is there any anything you look at now which you don't particularly like? Um, well, not now. <laughs> not my time alive. <laughs> I think um, I, I think I've forgotten how to put. A, Get on that for the moment. No, <laughs> but now um, what I've seen of, as I said before, I quite like the rules that are now. There, it's more upright. The mm. judo is more upright. There's the the attacking is uh, is better. 
uh, I, I'm not sure about the, the grips that you're compelled to do these days. Um, and what do you mean by that? I don't know. I'm not actually sure about the, the, the rules of Vince. Okay. You say, must you, must you hold a pound sleeve or can no. you... I used to like this thing called a, a pocket grip, you know? Yeah. Um, and up inside, I used to try to do um, old... That's uh, a different massage. Uh, hold a part, part, part collar, part uh, jacket mm. on the, with my right hand. And my left hand, this pocket grip up underneath my my opponent's right right arm in a pocket grip. So, and of course, towards the end of well, when I was actually doing judo, but um, I used to experiment with uh, a left o groomer. Okay, yeah. And um, and uh, and uh, do the first bit of my uh, attempt the first bit of uh, entry bit of the, of the tai toshi made my right foot go in and when i felt felt them push a bit with their left arm then do a spin turn do left o groomer and uh, i used to play with that never did it in competition because oh, i wasn't really that confident of it but it was um i used to look like that pocket grip but i don't know is that allowed now uh so i would like to be super confident on it but i know there will be a referee out there that that will correct me but from my understanding you can grip most places on the sleeve now um but i think you have to attack pretty much it has to be i think the wording's like it has to be proactive like you have to be gripping to attack so you can't uh, like you couldn't get a pocket grip necessarily and be defensive with it you know use it to keep somebody away but if you were trying to throw but I know somebody's going to make email me and tell me I'm completely wrong on that. Yeah, that's right. I'm 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 confused as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, I think... but, but I like the judo. I like the judo. What I've seen of it now, to what it was um, prior to that, where it was all leg grabs, mm. bent over people, you know, people attacking your legs. Then someone's going to take their legs away, mm. aren't they? So they're going to end up bent double virtually, and I. That I didn't like. Well, yeah, actually, to be fair, so it must be like, so people older than, than myself that are in the muscle, I know many of them actually miss leg grabs. So for me, I, I when I was doing judo, you could do leg grabs up until I think I was about 18. I think it was maybe 19. And then they changed the rules. And it never really bothered me, like changing the rules. It was always fine. But I know people older than me actually were really upset about it. They couldn't do the leg grabs anymore, but I, I agree with you. I like the fact there's no no leg grabs in there. I like, but also I like the fact how people have used the rules to still do uh, leg grabs, but with traditional grips. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah, but they got to, um, I, they, I don't think they've got to, they're going to be bent to do that, are they? I mean, I've seen people doing this uh, Koji Makigami in the, um, in, in a, a, a different way, but a, a legal way now. But mm. um, I, know, I know what you mean. But uh, yeah, I've. Um, but anyway, that's that's what I was feeling about. But I like I like the judo now. But I say I'm a little bit confused about the gripping. And um, but generally, speaking, the, the the movement and, and the techniques, I, I, I think, are really really good uh, now. Uh, nice and very inventive some of them 
Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why actually I liked the rule changes because I really liked how quickly people adapted. I liked, especially, yeah. you know, once, um, especially when like Mongolia really started to come to the forefront as well, like Mongolia, Russia, those guys, you thought, oh, they'll never be able to do judo because they can't grab the legs. But actually, they, they were really, really quick on adapting what they'd done and everybody had to then quickly catch up. Yeah, I think I think Russian judo, Russian judo was good, but the, I think a lot of the leg grabbers were, were Georgians, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, they're, now they're they're to be honest, most of the Eastern European countries and Asian countries are pretty impressive now. It's difficult to find a weak country in judo, I think. You can't find one now. <laughs> no. No, no, I mean, I mean, I, when we were in Luxembourg, for instance, uh, going back in, again, and we had this uh, this um, match there, and it was uh, <clears throat> it was um, uh, I think it was Prince John or something. He was he's the head of state there in Luxembourg at the time. I'm not sure, but something like that. And he was in the audience. And of course, uh, West Germany, as it was then, were against the Luxembourg team, which were very weak. And um, anyway, the uh, the German team are very gentlemanly. Uh, they would go on with their, each of their opponents and, um, and sort of move around a bit for a while. And uh, there was a girl that used to stand at the side and she'd say, I'm a Newton. <laughs> And then in that minute, the poor Luxembourg guy would get, bit, get thrown. <laughs> but uh, uh, so it was it, rather than um, run like Anton, uh, Anton Giesing, he didn't play around at all. If he was on with someone who wasn't, would, he'd take them over, you know. He, that's why he was world champion, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, hard so luck would, on them. He, would, but... he wouldn't give them any any leeway at all <laughs> not that i could think anyone could take him to be honest <laughs> <laughs> so before before covid were you were you still quite active in your coaching were you still on the map and when when was this before covid before covid yeah uh, yeah oh yes yeah, yeah we were up at uh, a fort on top of the hill for purple we got a nice little dojo up there sprung floor lovely wow nice dojo yeah and how often yeah. were you still teaching how, well we were there we well kata seniors juniors three times a yeah, week that's right yeah Did you say oh, how many times a week yeah how Did often you were you still coaching oh uh, up until I was coaching up until well last year, if you like, and that was my thing. But we we we, would, uh, we had cutter on Monday, mm. uh, seniors Tuesday, and uh, two classes of juniors on Thursday. Wow! Uh, so you still do. And how did you? Were you still demonstrating techniques? Were you having to get other people to demonstrate techniques? Oh, I had to. I had to get other people to demonstrate. You know. <laughs> I've had I've had quite a few operations on my spine, a load of metal put in the back of them. So uh, I'm afraid I'm a little bit. And how do you find that? How do you find having to watch other people demonstrate what you want them to do? How do I find it? Yeah. So for me, uh, well, I mean, it's um, um, I'll, I'm sort of say, well, I want you to do a 
like this. Mm. And if they don't, I'll say, no, not like that. A little bit like this. <laughs> yeah, because for, for me, I'm I'm a bit of a control freak and I'm lucky enough to still be quite young that I can still demonstrate. So it really, like, I, I want it done in a really specific way. And if it's not done that way, I get really annoyed. So what's that like for you? Well, I, I would be annoyed with myself, to be honest, rather than them. Yeah. Because, I mean, the coaches that we've got, they're very good. Um, they don't get paid. Mm. I don't get paid. And um, they, they all do it because they, they like the sport. And uh, they, they're there. And the coaches, they're first cues. Mm. And... Uh, None of, them, none of them are young. So we've got to try and get a technical downgrade for them. Mm. But uh, for that, they've got to do their cutter. <laughs> yeah, so, right, I suppose at this point, uh, we've had a really nice chat, and I don't want you to, to lose it at this point. So last week, on last week's podcast, I sort of said, well, I didn't sort of say, I did say, I said, I don't really enjoy kata. I find it quite boring. And I'd like to speak to somebody who could convince me otherwise. So I sort of laid out this gauntlet. And I think um, that's one of the reasons why Janice made me, you know, she she sent me the email about <laughs> you guys and said, I'd like you to talk to Dennis and Tina about it. So how would you convince me that actually I've got it completely wrong? Uh, would you think that, forget the cutter, mm. that I would know a little bit about judo? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so don't, <laughs> we, we've had a great chat there. This, this isn't a personal uh, attack. Yeah, of course. Would you, yeah. would you know that? Would you, would, you, would you agree with that? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then when I started really studying cutter, probably over 40 years ago, mind you, I did do it in Nagano cutter, at the Budokai when I was training up there, but that was for one of the, sh the shows there. But that, that was fairly basic. But when I started really studying kata, um, seriously mm. and looking into it, and I thought I knew a little bit about judo and I was dead right. I knew a little <laughs> bit about judo. Mm. I was so... Uh, there, it's like someone opening the door and showing you the, the, the ins and outs of cutting. It is, Vince, it is very, very interesting if you get into it. Mm. Now, we, for the last, oh, when did you Eora start coming? Oh, no, initially, um, we used to have these cutter uh, uh, courses probably, when did they start? Probably, what, 40 years ago? Yeah, something like that. Uh, Mick Lee used to run them, mm. and um, and he'd, he'd arrange it. And John Cornish, who lived in Japan for, um, I think, about 10 years, and John uh, was a very knowledgeable on kata, although he, he got his fourth down there. Um, he studied, he, he used to study all the katas, all of them. And uh, he used to run the courses. And then, then you start realising why you're doing these things in Qatar. Can you give and, me, uh, um, can you give me uh, an example of, of, of that? Like one thing that you think maybe, maybe you know, most people really don't realise, but that's the reason. Um, let me think. 
this on the kata. Well, we take the first, the first technique of Nagano kata, you know, ukitosh, you know, we took on. Now, a lot of, initially, they think that, that um, uke takes hold of, of um, tori and pushes. Mm. But he doesn't. Uke just takes hold of tori. It's just a grip. It's just a step forward and takes hold. At that moment, he takes the initiative. At that moment, Tori also takes grip and steps back so that he breaks Uke's balance with all of his body, not just not just his arms, everything. And because of that, Uke's made to do another step forward and the same thing happens. Then on the third one, it's an elongated step back where the guy's balance, because it, it all comes down. You've got to break the balance every time. Mm. And uh, and then the last one is the ukiyotoshi, where he's pulling and, and dropping at the same time. Difficult to explain to you like this, but I don't <laughs> yeah. know if you've got what I mean. But yeah, I think so. Um, it's, it's that. And, um, and then uh, in the kata, the, the step and pattern... Is never ever re repeated except on the other side when they do it, you know, you do left hand one, yeah. But the steps had never the same again, never. And um, uh, Uchimata is is um, is is <clears throat> a, a leg throw, is not a, not a hip throw, mm. as, as, it, as it was initially. Well, that um, actually falls into Ashiwasa, doesn't it? It is Ashiwasa, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's leg throw, Ashiwasa. Sorry, I'm, I'm, um, yeah, it's, a, it's in, there's, it's Okurashi, Okurashi Barai, Kami Ash, Ujimata, in that, that, that sequence, that, yeah. yeah. So for me, right, and if you and then if you win if you got into into the Katamano Kata again, that is a very very good one, uh, with the with the um, a good training good good mm. training for knee was it, and uh, that is very very interesting as well. And of course after this after this uh, with, with John Cornish, and we used to do these of these courses. After that they sort of finished. Uh, then we got Mr. Ryura come over. He, he's um, a, a, a Japanese eighth dan, and he actually works for the uh, Japanese embassy in Iceland. Lives there, and uh, his, his, he's well, his, he can analyze a technique better than anyone I've ever come across. Mm. And his uh, his teaching is absolutely superb. And he come out. He comes over every year. Or he did every year. And we used to do a course, have a course with him. And um, if you didn't, if you didn't get interested in kata on a course with him, then there's well, I don't know, there's no hope for you. <laughs> well, I think many people yeah. have said there's no hope for me. Uh, <laughs> so I suppose my my reason I remember when I started judo at five, I. I, well, to be honest, even to this day, I really struggle with concentration. And that's what I love, Judah. I love coaching. I love coaching all levels because my mind is constantly sparking. And one of the things I found with Kata, I, and I will profess, I've only done 
maybe two courses although i'm like <laughs> i've done one for my theory for my you did four. one with tina actually oh there we go yeah i must have yeah so and I, I tell you <laughs> i tell you what she did one she did you were doing juno cutter with her was i, I couldn't even tell I, you what i was yes. doing yeah and I, I, and I was there and i watched it and there was on this particular technique that she it were doing and she and she's very good at this and you you did it with tina and she and you actually swirled your your arm around you. It's one of the one of the and you actually spun off your feet. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. <laughs> I watched it because it's not the first time I've seen it. She actually done it to um um who's the Olympic um, um Chris Bowles. So yeah, he did the same thing. But um but uh, yeah, I know you did some Juno cutter with, uh, and uh, well, uh, if you're not interested in cutter, then you wouldn't like the Juno cutter. But I tell you what, Juno cutter is so interesting. Although once you get into it, because we became uh, judges at uh, IJF judges, mm. and we got the um, we were what level one, yeah, level one. I did, yeah. Well, I that so. meant that we could judge the preliminaries and finals of uh, five cutter. Mm. And you had to take a, you know, you had to be, you know, judged on this. And um, uh, so we, we, um, we used to judge at the world championships at, at Qatar. And I've judged a Juno Qatar before in the world championships. And places when they've got, there's, um, there's more men in the group, there were women. Mm. It's um, doing the Qatar and they used to, people used to, you know, downgrade it and say, oh, it's a woman's cutter. But it was actually devised before women did judo. Mm. Oh, uh, but, no, they're wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I suppose, I suppose my, my thing was, is I, I just lost concentration, you know, and I, when I've done it, so I, I had to do a cutter for my theory for my fourth Dan. Um, and obviously I'd done the one with, uh, Tina but what what I found was like the one thing I did really learn and actually it did change my thought process on how I delivered judo was actually how integral understanding Uki's role in learning judo is so it it can't just be Tori you like a lot of my focus was this is how Tori does a technique but actually there needs to be quite a lot of influence around what Uki does as well um but I just, yeah, I, for me, I just lost, my attention span was too, too slow. And I almost wondered whether, whether you need, whether it needed to be updated, like a bit more oomph into it, a bit more life. Well, we tried to, we've done, we've done cata courses, loads of them mm. in this country. And uh, we've tried to make it as technical as possible, mm. really. Uh, some people used to teach kata just on, on, on a broad sort of basis. Oh, this is Ukiyotoshi, bang, bang. But we were trying to get into the technicalities of every technique going. And you're right about how um, the uke got to do a lot. And this is what I think is not right with the, with the uh, marking system of the, in the BJA of the kata, um, kata certificates. Because only only Tori does it, but Tina did a Kodakan uh, uh, qualification for Kata, and she had to do both. She had to do Uke and Tori, mm. and uh, wherever where that is, we we, we were abroad. 
and you don't necessarily have your normal partner with you. Okay, if you did, that's that's okay. But you could be wanting to do so. Oh, I'll enter for uh, Kodokan Goshen Jutsu. I'll do that, and um, you'll find somebody. You know, be, oh, um, do you you doing Goshen Jutsu? Uh, yeah. Oh, do you want to pair up? Right. So you, they could be you know, with a complete stranger. Mm. So you've got to uh, got to know both sides of the cutter. But in, in the BJA one, they only do uh, Tolly, and, and and you're dead right. And quite often, Uka is doing as much as Tolly. Yeah, I think that was the biggest. I kind of, you know, what this is how bad it was. I can't even remember which one I'd done for my uh, for for my uh, theory. I think it must have been Nagano Kata. It must have been. But that was my my biggest thing. And what also sort of upset me a little bit was you you can sort of only be as good as your Uki. So, like, if your Uki wasn't that good, like, it made you look a lot oh, worse. Oh, that's right, a, yeah. Like, whereas I actually, I quite liked Randori because if my Uki wasn't that good, it meant I'd just throw him a lot quicker. <laughs> <laughs> Man, over my own heart. <laughs> No, that is why you've got to learn both sides, both both parts of the cafe. And um, I'm sure you you would enjoy uh, Kodokan Goshen Jutsu, the, the self-defense one. Mm. Have you seen it? No, to, as I said, I, I've i not invested any real time into learning kata. I just... But, no, that is... Um, uh, I don't know if it'll ever happen again. We don't know now, do we? Mm. Um, if there is a chance, maybe in the future, that Mr. Riora comes here uh, to teach again, then I really advise you get on with him. And I say that uh, you, you, I've known other guys that are the same frame of mind as you. Mm change their mind after one of his courses. Well, I'm willing to be converted. I, I'm not at a point where I. I want somebody to convince me. And I, as I said, I've been when I done my when I done my course for my fourth dan theory. I I went there wanting to be converted, but I wasn't. So <laughs> I, I I'm willing. I'm open. I just need to uh, I need to experience it for myself. I think it's uh, no. It is it is very very interesting. I've done, there's about nine cutter altogether. You know, there's only five that we're involved in, mm. which is Nagano, uh, Katamino, Juno. Kimono and Kodokan Gotten Jutsu. They're the, they're the only five that we actually are in in the BJA. But there's others, there's Gono Kata, uh, Kashiki no Kata. Now that is one as if you're in armor, in, armor, in, in samurai armor, you actually mm. move in that sort of manner. And that, that is a very, very interesting Kata. But <laughs> have they got any you- to music? <laughs> no, no, you. I tell you what, this is a, it, it, it is very, it is very, very interesting. I tell you what, there's the Gono Cutter, of course, which has only fairly recently been rediscovered as as where Juno Cutter is uh, is uh, the illustration that they call it gentleness, but I think it means well, Jew. I think it just means yielding, but but. Um, Gonokata is a Gonokata is a, I think, it is a kata of strength again, and 
But it's it's a that's an unusual category. You would love that one. <laughs> <laughs> right before we go actually before we go i just wanted to quickly uh speak to tina for a second so tina when we spoke on the phone to organize this you told me a fact about um when basically women weren't allowed to throw into groundwork or something wasn't it which i thought was amazing i never knew this yes no, you, you could throw into you could, yeah. yeah you you could throw um but you weren't allowed to follow down straight into the ground yeah because there was a great fear about breast cancer at that time you couldn't fall on them yeah so you couldn't sort of fall on them not makagami no yeah no makagami and so you have and that's so you have to throw and then go into the ground you shouldn't couldn't just makagami straight in no and i can't believe i never knew that and what year what sort of era was this um, about 64, would it be? 60s, yeah. yeah. When, mainly when Jeff was... was yeah, when the, Jeff Gleason was um, national coach. I think it was the 60s. Yeah. Yeah, the 60s sometime. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because I can remember I went through grading at the Budokai because there weren't um, many women's gradings down in Portsmouth. So I used to have to travel up to Budokai. And I can remember... I had my individual fights and then I had a little lineup and I went down with a throw and that caused me not to get my grade. Wow. Still rankles. (laughs) Yeah, I I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. Um, (laughs) And there wasn't many women doing judo when you started, I guess. No, I when I started, I think there were three women in the club. Wow. No juniors. Yeah. Um, yeah, just three women. And, well, it was like that all over the country, I think. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't be sure, but um, then gradually it developed. Yeah. yeah it's wonderful. But uh, men and women used to practice together. But at the Budokai, there used to be... Uh, a separate women's section. I don't think. I don't know. The yeah, they lower had, dojo. The, the lower dojo mm. used to have the women. Yeah. And the men at the top dojo. Well, I know that was um, when I trained in Tokai. They had the same thing. The men had the big dojo upstairs, which was yeah. massive, and then the women's yes. dojo, I think, was downstairs through a gym down the other side, and then like somewhere <laughs> where the boiler room was or something. Yes, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. But I must admit, I was. Um, I think I started judo. I said when I was fifteen and a half, mm. and after I'd been going for about eighteen months, Dennis came back from London. And um, he had no, he just, well, he just treated everybody the same, men and women the same. And it was, he became my coach then. Yeah. So I was very, very lucky to have Dennis right virtually from the start. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, before you come on, you showed me a judo belt, didn't you? Can you just explain what the judo belt is? Because I thought that was quite interesting as well. Can you see it now? I can see it. Nobody else can see it, but I can see it. Oh, (laughs) right. Right. This belt, we will... Uh, at a grading, wasn't I? Shall I describe it? Yes, then I'll describe it to you. Yeah. You see, um, in this country years ago, we had a, there was a girl there called Margot Sathay. And she got her first down when she was 16. uh, And she was originally from Croydon Judo Club, but she used to train at the Budokai. 
anyway, uh, she got um, very skillful and she ended up third down. And she went out to Japan and she was out there for what, over 30 years? Mm. And um, over well over that. And she actually became, I believe, a Kodokan sensei, a sixth time, mm. you know, uh, which was unusual. And uh, she, she used to come back and see her and visit her dad every so often. And whenever we found out that she was coming, we'd go go and see her. And of course, you do usually go and visit a club, you know, or a club. And uh, anyway, we, we, we turned up there and uh, I was talking to um, Marco and I said, uh, and she had a, that belt on. And I said, oh, I said, I see you, uh, you got a belt with the white line on, Marco. She said, oh, yeah. She said, this belonged to, um, what's her name? Fukuda. Fukuda sensei. And as Tina has explained, it was, her, her teacher was um, taught by a kind of, you know, because mm. she was a very old woman at the time, so you can imagine this. Trip. But anyway, um, not, not, not Marco, her, her teacher was the old <laughs> <Yeah>. woman. <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, she um, she said, uh, "Do you think Tina would like this?" I said, "Yeah, I'm sure she would." She said, she, "She said, right, she can have it." I said, "You can't do that." I said, "That, that you know, that is from your case." She said, "No, I've got some more." I said, "Okay." Anyway, he gave, she gave it to uh, Tina, and um, apparently, uh, when her sensei died, they went over to her house and got a load of load of, you know, things, you know. They didn't steal it, though. No, didn't steal it. Didn't steal it, no, no. So, so I understand. But the worst bit about this, Vince, is that um, Margot went off to, and, and lived on some island near Norway. Just went over there. Because she was quite ill. She died of cancer, actually, there. Anyway, uh, we went to her funeral. And um, unfortunately, I, there are, I didn't see any officials from the BJA there. And uh, went to a funeral. And there was a guy there, I forget his name now, but he, he said to her mother after, um, you know, sometimes, look, um, Margot's obviously got some memorabilia. Can I have it? And she said, you're welcome to it, to this. This guy, so he said, all right. And he gave it a, a couple of months before he went. And it seemed that in that time, her mother died as well. And um, neighbours went along to their house because her, her, her father was, her mother and father were separated, I think. And uh, they sort of emptied it and they dumped all this stuff, books, memorabilia, all in the bin. No. Dumped it all. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. He was too. He was too late. And anyway, I've got the belt. Tina, Tina, got the belt. <laughs> At least you got the belt, Tina. Yeah, yeah. and I yeah. said, I I imagine that Kano senses touched this belt. Yeah, wow. he must have done because Fukuda, oh. she she was a, a, a pupil of Kano. Yeah. Mm. So but, and, and um, Marco apparently she teamed up with a, a woman called. Uh, Aiko, I forget her Japanese name, but her name, she married an American, Aiko Shepard. 
and uh, when they were both young out in, in the Kodokan, and they used to practice with the men, they're a couple of hard cases, you know. <laughs> and uh, Aiko, if you were to see her, we, we know her quite well. She won the, the women's powerlifting championship. Wow. She's about this wide. <laughs> But she is, uh, she, uh, and she was teaching Kata as well. Mm. But she is the nicest woman you've ever come across. She, she is. Oh, she, lovely. She really lovely is. Lady. Aiko, yeah. Mm. And um, she, uh, I can just imagine those two <laughs> practicing up there. Well, I'd say we, We've, have you been to the Kodokan? You've been there? No, somewhere? I've never been to... We're, literally, I trained at some universities when I went out to Japan, so I've never actually been to the Kodokan. You've never been there? Um, no, it's one, one of my regrets, but hoping in the future I'll get out there. Yeah, we got it. we've been out there twice. We were in the Kodokan to judge the cutter, mm. and that was the Kodokan, and then we the second time, Kyoto, we went to for the, for the oh. cutter championships, and, uh, and that was when... Um, in the Nagano Kata, uh, luckily I wasn't judging that one. I was just in Goshenjutsu, but the um, that one, uh, the uh, the Koreans won and not the Japanese. Oh wow! Oh <laughs> my! And um, anyway, I, I think I upset them a bit because they they, they were worried about losing the Juno or the or the or the. Katamano Kata, but in the Nagano Kata, that is the bedrock of Kodokan Judo. Yeah. And losing that was a bit, went, didn't go down very well. Yeah, good job um, you weren't, uh, good job you weren't no, in that one. No, no I, I'll tell you what, the next year, the, the, the World Championships were held in uh, Spain. Mm, where, was, so, yeah. I forget, where, where was was? Where was? I forgot. Anyway, and um, there was uh, there, and the I don't know if I did. I judge that. I'm not sure if I judged no. the final there or not. But the Japanese got it back again. Oh, All right. The, 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 the Nagano counter. Yeah. Uh, it's good. <laughs> wow. Right. Well, thank you, uh, Dennis and Tina, for, for this interview. I really, really appreciate all of your time and your stories. It's been really, really great to talk to you. No, it's been it's been a pleasure. We've enjoyed it been very enjoyed. much. It's been nice. It's, yeah, uh, and and I, I hope I haven't offended too many people with my stories. No, I hope you but have I'll... a little bit. <laughs> we got to make <laughs> it got interesting. We've got lots more to tell, but we won't tell them. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get you back on. We'll get you back on, and then you can tell those ones. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are, end of episode nine. And you know, what did you guys think? I mean, I. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I enjoyed talking to Dennis and Tina. They're, they were really great, you know, and starting judo in 1948, I just couldn't get my head around that. That was, I was born 40 years later. So, it, yeah, it was just phenomenal. And I, some of the stories then, like, I wonder, there must be so many of those sorts of stories around... Um, you know, with people in this country and other countries of starting judo back then. And I don't want those stories to be lost, really. I think it'd be great to have more more people on like that to have those sorts of discussions about judo. Um, you know, the fact that Tina, potentially, she's got a belt that was given to someone by Jigoro Kano that was given to their student that was then given to her is unbelievable. Um, 
yeah, I just yeah, I just found it fascinating, you know, and even even silly stuff that I hadn't even considered. Where when Dennis was talking about um, when he was doing judo, because there wasn't uh, weight categories, you know, if you were smaller, you'd done Cienagis, Taitoshis, maybe. And if you were taller, you would do a lot more Haragoshis, Uchimatas, and how strange it was for him to watch judo change because of weight categories. And then actually, he then had to train differently because he was now in a weight category. And it wasn't like under 60s or under 66s, it was lightweight and middleweight. And then how big was heavyweight? And it was just, and even the fact, like, at the Buddha Choir, there was 50, 60 black belts. Where can you train now with 50, 60 black belts on the mat? You you barely get that. I mean, that you most probably would get that at national training. But, yeah, I was just really, really interested in that. And I know sometimes the, the sound might have dipped in and out a little bit. But I just, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And considering, you know, Dennis is 89 years old, uh, I didn't ask Tina, and I wouldn't ask T- Tina her age, but, you know, they're definitely older, and they managed to get onto Zoom to have a chat with me and discuss those stories. I, I thought it was really great. I'm, I will still say I'm not uh, completely convinced on Kata still, uh, so I'm happy to speak to other people about that. Um, but also, yeah, what, what did you guys think uh, of the slightly different... Um, different subject you know what else can we go on about i i love talking about judo i've got a few guys lined up for different sorts of podcasts but i think talking about you know judo starting in 1948 and going to a european championships in 1963 was it It yeah it was just just impressive i really i really enjoyed it um so yeah just to finish off guys um let me know what you think you know you can always email me it's vince at vinceskillcorn.co.uk that's always in the description contact me on facebook instagram social media um what what's coming up at your judo clubs what would you like to talk about did you like the marketing one did you would you want me to do more on how to grow a business in judo you know i'm more than happy to discuss different things so so yeah just send me a message let me know and uh i look forward to speaking to you guys next time judo talk talk judo talk